0: Turn, up your, turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, the Sick Podcast. with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute, and 27 seconds left in regulation time, Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the air back to little The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a spot. Sports entertainment like no other. on lui fait perdre la une devant et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens, le de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Sick. Sick.
1: Good Friday evening, everyone, and welcome to the sick podcast. I am Matt O'Han, your usual Friday host, even though uh, in the text messages that we exchange, Samian and Yellow love to say that I never work and that I take every week off and that I never do anything. I can't really say much because I'll be off uh, the next two weeks after this episode, but uh, so they got me there, but hey, I am your usual Friday host, whether you like it or not. Um, welcome, everyone. Uh, let's take care of some business. Uh, the Sick Podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of more- North America, driven to be different. We're also brought to you by Bitte TB Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitte TB offers... Quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit a TB, Embrace your true nature. And by, of course, Playground. Discover a world of luxury at Playground. Explore their new 30,000 square foot expansion with thrilling games, gourmet dining, and live entertainment. Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal, Playground. Experience the strip without the trip and buy sportsbuffshop.com shop all your sports licensed lifestyle apparel including hoodies caps and tees of your favorite sports teams from all major leagues at sportsbuffshop.com use code sick 10 for 10% off all their items uh okay so last week it was all uh, sunshine and uh, daisies for the canadians because while they were losing um At least the top line was getting points, as Stu and I discussed uh, last week. And uh, fast forward a week, I mean, kind of not so sunshine and daisies. Well, it's sunshine outside in Montreal these days, but it's not great for the Canadians, especially since uh, a certain tweet came out last week that had everybody uh worried and then hey I guess maybe there was something to it. So let's talk about all these things all these things with my usual Friday guest, Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Stu, how are we doing?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Uh I don't need a therapy day. Um you know I don't know if you do, but I don't. Um I think we could all use the
2: therapy uh, once in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, once in a while. But hey, I mean, I guess today is my therapy. Day. It was my therapy day because I was off to work today. So because I are. get every second Friday off. So maybe it was uh, my my therapy day. But uh, last Sunday, or was it Monday? Uh, the tweet came out from the Canadians that uh, Slavkovsky, uh, Cole Caulfield, and Nick Suzuki all will not be practicing because they were in need of a therapy day. Now it's only been two games since then, but they're all held pointless since then. So uh, anything, anything to that, or am I, am I diving too deep in?
2: I think just as we're getting close to the 60-game mark in the season, this is not surprising for guys that play as many minutes as they do. Uh, Suzuki took a lot of uh, therapy days near the end of last season. You know, he hasn't missed a game since he joined the NHL. He knows his body pretty well. Um, if I'm already blocked a shot not too long ago and went off to the bench maybe he's a little bit of a bruise there I'm speculating or that so it's not that shocking when I see guys take therapy days and I think it's a thing that this new uh, medical team and training staff with the Canadians is really focused on is letting guys know when they should take a day off I spoke with Mike Matheson about it a couple of weeks ago after he took a therapy day and he said it's sort of he knows his body well and he sort of discuss it with the trainers and the coaches and they're like okay take a day off today from from practice you don't need it so a little bit of concern. There's obviously something there. Uh, but at this point in the season, when you've played this many games, and uh, especially for a guy like Suzuki with the amount of minutes he plays and tough minutes he plays and the fact he's never missed a game, he knows his body pretty well. So, I mean, uh, it's not a big deal to me at this point in the season. All right. That's good to know because,
1: uh, I mean, hey, for the tank crowd, more good news. Uh, the Canadian... if, it was, if
2: it was, I mean – they're out of the playoffs, right? If it was something serious, right. they wouldn't play them. If it was something that they thought right. would make the injury worse, they would take them out of the lineup. So if they're not missing the games, I don't think it's a big, big reason to be concerned. I mean, it's just part of, you know, you look at the NBA with their load management where guys don't play mm-hmm. games as a therapy day. Uh, we don't see that in the NHL yet. Uh, I hope we don't, you know, people who pay a lot of money to go watch a game and want to see the stars playing and you get there and they say, is in the NBA? Oh, the stars, you know, today's a therapy day. He's not playing. You don't get a refund on your you ticket. Know.
1: I, I don't think we ever we ever will see that just because there's such a – in the NBA, like, such a discrepancy in talent. Like, how many – like, I don't think any team in the NHL can – let's just take the Habs, for example, can waltz into the Bell Center, you know, bottom whatever team they are, and expect to win just on any given. You know what I mean? Like, the NHL doesn't really work like that, where in the NBA, you know, if you're going to play the Detroit Pistons, who I think have, like – I don't know five wins all year you could kind of expect to win without a big gun in the in the line
2: yeah and in, in defense of the NBA guys too I mean the star players play basically the entire game right they might sit out for two or three minutes a game you go see LeBron James play especially you know in his younger years you go see the star guys are on the court almost the, the whole game which is one of the appeals of the NBA you know if you go see the Edmonton Oilers and want to see Conor McDavid you're going to see him play maybe 20 minutes of the 60 minutes but uh uh, again, for, for paying fans, you know, if I went to an NBA game and I paid a lot of money and I wanted to see LeBron or I want to see the star player and I found that he wasn't playing because it was a, a you know, load management day, I, I wouldn't be happy. Mm. Yeah, lot, you know what, it's funny because there's a lot
1: of uh, talk in the NBA and what can be the NHL is not the uh, the only imperfect league because um, the NBA they had an All Star weekend of their oh. own and uh, much like the NHLs it was uh, it might have been worse.
2: My son's a huge basketball fan and I watched it, it was it was unwatchable. It really was I mean, yeah. the NHL. Yeah, I actually did not watch the NHL All Star game this year for the first time in a long time. I didn't even bother uh same with the skills competition i didn't even bother watching it it's it's become unwatchable but the little bit of the nba that i did watch was pretty bad you know you know what i
1: will say about the nhl and good on them and and same thing with the nfl because just it's just all-star games across the board Mm -hmm. are just i i feel i feel like we're in a post uh, an we're past the need of an all star game at this point. Um, well, baseball but, is a
2: good all star game because it's not, not a contact sport, right? So, guys are you know, right against batter. So, the baseball also games always fun to watch, but that's it. So,
1: at least the NHL and the NFL they changed their format. And, uh, you know, the, they used to play a five on five full hockey game in the NHL, the NFL they used to play a full contact football game, obviously, no one would tackle. The NHL changed to three on three. The NFL changed to flag football. I don't know what you could do in the NBA, but uh, mm-hmm. what a, it's just it's funny because they have the in season tournament to incentivize players to play during the year, yeah. and now they're talking about uh, well, they added money to the in season tournament, and now they're talking about oh, do we need to give bonuses for All Star game? And it's like, come on, these guys That's make uh, so thirty three million dollars. Like yeah. you don't need the extra five hundred grand. No. No, not even
2: like the slam dunk competition, which used to be huge, right? Now it's almost cool not to go in it, right? Do you guys, yeah. who is this dude?
1: <laughs> well, the, the dunks this year, I mean, we used to see, I remember when I was a kid, now I'm sounding old, I saw Dwight Howard, you know, the, the nets I think in the NBA are about 10 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Dwight Howard dunked from... I like a little past the, the foul shot line on a 12 foot net that was he that was superman that was uh, you know that we're, Oh, Michael Jordan, when he took to off,
2: Michael Jordan when he took off from the free throw line that famous picture his head's like above the rim when he's halfway towards the net
1: it's, you know that we that used to be the Doug competition now we have people jumping over people who are sitting <laughs> on chairs mm, <laughs> you know anyways uh back to the canadians um you know uh, good, good new, good week for the tank crowd because uh, the Canadians are on a four-game losing streak. Yep. Um, it started, you know, it started against the Rangers, were kind of a bad, not the greatest performance. Entertaining game though, but uh, I really like the game against Washington. Well, you know, I like the game against last night too, but I like the game against Washington because, you know, after the game, you. you we saw some emotion. We saw we saw players specifically go, who was under the spotlight with Slavkovsky mm-hmm. really pissed off that they lost. Yep. And I really like that.
2: Yeah, and he was dropping f bombs. I, I wasn't in that scrum. I was talking with Jake Allen at the time, uh, but the guys were in. He was he was upset, and that's good. I mean, they, they, they care. These guys. I mean, the thing with the Canadians now is, say for the tank fans, this is great, right? The more games they lose, and you know, I imagine can't use will probably get rid of a couple more guys by the trade deadline. They'll be even worse. Um, so that's that's good news for them moving forward. But I mean, I remember years ago when Gila Lafleur said the Canes were a team with four fourth lines, and at the time he was pretty much right. That was like six years ago. Now they have one they have one number one line and three fourth lines, and uh, you know, with Doc having been out and uh, I want to a him this week, Doc and Newhook that really threw a wrench into their. Plants were rebuilding the season, just to limited the amount of line combinations. Marty saying we could tinker with and figuring out whether new hook is better at center and the wing. It looks like he's going to be better at the wing. Uh, who Doc plays, but that really threw a wrench into them. Uh, with Joshua Waugh being called up and looking pretty good, you know, you wonder if he could be a top six forward moving forward. Um, you know, when he played with Connor Bedard at the World Juniors, Connor Bedard said he was one of the smartest players he ever played with. His hockey IQ was really good. Um, so it's going to be a long. You know, the, the rest of the season is going to be tough. Uh, they got three fourth lines. They're getting goals from the defense and they're getting offense from the first line. But if the first line doesn't produce like they haven't the last couple of games, they're not going to win.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a good, but again, like we said, it's it's good for the tank crowd. They're uh, they're all happy because uh, rumors are swirling. People are arguing in in the middle of February who the Canadians should take in the draft. It's uh, it's uh, it's unbelievable. I love yeah, it's good. It. It's good for a kid
2: like Joshua. Why was getting the play now? Get some you know decent minutes and get two assists the other night. And without you know the pressure of having to win or, or the fear of making mistakes. Uh, so they'll get a good look at Joshua Waugh the rest of this season. It'll be interesting to see. I imagine they'll send him back to Laval before, I believe it's March 5th is the deadline because uh, I think a, a, a playoff run with Laval would be better for his mm-hmm. development uh, than staying with the Canadians. Um, but it's an opportunity to to see some of these young guys. And also, you know, the competition for spots on the blue line uh, with the young defensemen. Um, you know, I know when Sportsnet came out with their list of top 30 trade prospects for the draft and jordan harris is one of the guys on there and like you want you know there's there's no doubt that you know he's been bumped down with the play of jaden struble although it looked like struble was hurt last night and might be serious um jordan Harris has been dumped down d- dropped down on the depth chart with the canadians defense so it's gonna be interesting to see leading up to the trade deadline what kent hughes does um i wouldn't be surprised if he does nothing i wouldn't be totally shocked he might be looking more towards the off season to make these moves. He even mentioned that with the three goalie system, like he's he'd like to make a trade at the deadline to to get the two goalies. But if there's not a deal there that he likes, he's willing to go the rest of the season with three goalies, and then during the summer see if there's maybe some kind of a package deal where he could include Jake Allen and sort of settle that goaltending situation moving forward. Yeah, you know, the more I think about it, and you you mentioned his name
1: and Jordan Harris, the more I've thought about it, the more I think. That Kent Hughes will—I I mean, in my head, you know, in my formulation, he might have something else, something else in his head. He probably does, but in my head, it just—it really makes sense to move a defenseman or two because you know you you have to deal with waivers if you want to send some guys down, and frankly, if they want to bring up uh, Lane Hudson. Uh, when his contract, they need space, they need Ryan
2: backer. They got lots of young defense coming up. And I mean, I like Jordan Harris, one of the nicest kids I've ever met inside or outside of hockey. Uh, but Jaden Struble came in and Jaden Struble's a better player than him. And, you know, Arbor Jack brings an element uh, that we saw uh, two games ago there when, you know, the sheriff was back. I mean, he was, that's the way Arbor Jack needs to play physical, tough, not taking penalties, Confident, moving the puck. We've seen a different Arbor Jack the last couple of games. He brings an element different than what Jordan Harris has. And Struble sort of does what Harris does with a little bit more physicality. Um, So that's why he's sort of dropped down the depth chart. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked. I can understand why Jordan Harris was on that list. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's moved either at the trade deadline or this summer as some kind of a package deal. Because I'm I'm almost certain Kent Hughes is going to move that second, first-round pick he has. And package it with something else, and pull another sort of Kirby Doc Alex Newhook move, and try and get a forward who can provide some offense. Because this team, as I said, you know, they have three fourth lines basically right now. They need they need a lot more talent up front if this rebuild is going to succeed moving forward.
1: I agree, and uh, for the fans uh, clamoring of. Of uh, you know that they should wait it out with what they have because there there is a contingency of fans out there like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby Doc is not the difference between this team being a being a potent offensive team or not. No, I, Kirby I, I, Doc, I mean you know? it's that you're getting you're inserting getting... him in the lineup doesn't make it uh, a different. It's not a major difference maker.
2: Well, even if he's there, it's not a major difference if you're getting almost no offense out of Brendan Gallagher. You're getting almost no offense out Mm -hmm. of Josh Anderson. You're getting very little offense out of Buell Army. You're getting almost no offense out of Jake Evans. I mean, you go down the list. Uh, uh, Ulin, I don't think, has scored a goal in like 35 games or something like that now. There's just too many guys, too many forwards on the Canes who can't score. And guys like, you know, Brendan Gallagher, 6.5 million, and josh anderson with five point five million whatever it is i mean they're paid a lot of money and they're you're not getting any offense out of them and in a salary cap world that really hurts mm-hmm.
1: and i i think that's just that's just going to continue and and frankly, i think it should be it should be pointed out that i think i'm ready to i am ready i to say that they should have i mean hindsight is obviously twenty twenty but They should have moved on from Josh Anderson when they had the chance last season. And
2: I said last season, I said, no, I said, keep him. Yeah. Uh, Earlier this season, when he came back, when he was struggling, I said, I I said, he's going to finish the season with 20 goals. He's just, he's too good of a player not to get 20 goals. And I don't know what's happened. I don't know if that long stretch he went at the beginning of the season played with his head, but there's games now you don't notice him. I mean, he used to get like a breakaway every game. It seemed or two. He'd miss most of the time, but he got them. Like you don't see the breakaways now either. He's not, as physical as he was, there's something, I don't know what, like, it's hard to explain what's happened to Josh Anderson. And last season, when a lot of people, you you might've been one of them saying, you know, they should trade him. They should trade him. I was like, no, because if you trade him, you're going to be trying to find another guy like him. But now, I mean, you're basically stuck with him at this point. I can't see other teams knocking down the door to get him. And if they do, you're going to want the Kings to eat a big chunk of that salary. Um, So I think it's just a case with Josh Anderson and with Brendan Gallagher, you just got to hope they can find their game. I mean, you hope Josh Anderson can come back and be that 20 goal scorer again. Brandon Gallagher, I don't think he'll ever be a 30 goal scorer again. Can he be a 15 goal scorer? The thing with Gallagher that I always like and admire that the work ethic's always there. Um, you know, it's compete levels always there, but age and injuries look like they've just caught up to him. Like the game, he just, he can't, he can't keep up the way he used to keep up. And, you know, he's minus 23. He's among the worst, plus minuses for those in the NHL. Um, he's not scoring. Uh, he was demoted to the fourth line uh, for a few games uh, at $6.5 million. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, Brendan Gallagher has earned every single dollar the Canadians will ever pay him. You know, he was underpaid when he was a 30-goal scorer. He's overpaid now. But when a guy's working and competing as hard as he can and the results aren't there, I'm not going to be critical of the guy the way – a talented guy who's not competing and isn't producing. So for Ben and Gallagher, the compete level is always there. He's a, he's a prideful player. I want to call him this week. You know, he's, he's obviously not happy being on the fourth line. You don't want him to be happy, but he's still a good teammate. He's still a leader in the room. And I think at this point with Brendan Gallagher, the buyout penalty to buy him out now is pretty steep. I think you just mm-hmm. hang on to him. You hope that he can regain some offense. And the other thing in his defense as he said, he played really well earlier this season when he was on the line with Monaghan and Pearson, that veteran line. Remember when Marty put yeah. the, when people are like, what's he doing? Then he had five goals in his first 14 games or something like that, playing on that line. And he, we're, we're all talking about how great, you know, Brandon Gallagher is back and he looks great, but he just hasn't found that fit. And I wrote a column this, this week saying, you know, when, when Mark Bergeron let Philip Deneau get away, he almost lost two players because Gallagher hasn't Gallagher and Deneau were so good together. And, he hasn't found that center, apart from when he played with Monaghan and Pearson. Obviously, Monaghan's gone now. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can find like some line that might work with Brendan Gallagher to get him going. It used to be when a line wasn't working, you put Brandon Gallagher on it, and he got that line going. Those days for Brendan Gallagher are gone. Now he needs guys to help him. Um, so you know, I'd, I'd love to see Brendan Gallagher do well. As I said, it, it, it's, he, there's so much to like about Brendan Gallagher, even now. The, the compete level and everything else, but it just seems like, you know, age and the way he played for so many years, he's paying a price for it now. And, you know, that contract, Mark Bergevin, rewarded him for all those 30 goal seasons and everything he did and, you know, playing through broken jaws and everything else and mangled fingers. And, and that contract, he, he deserved to be rewarded for it. The problem was the, the, the length of the contract is really what's going to come back and bite the Canadians.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know after this season, still have him and Josh Anderson more, still have three more, three more after this year, and I, I really like one thing that you're dealing in is that you're you're the way you're speaking right now is it's I hope a lot of fans pick up on this is that you're not deal you're not saying. You know, oh, where can the Canadians? You, you're well grounded in the fact that the Canadians are stuck with him and Josh Anderson. Right. Yeah, like, there's no, there's no I, moving them. There's no, no moving. You're guys. not
2: moving them, and as I said, you just got to, you know, figure out they're going to be, you know, moving forward. Josh Anderson is going to be uh, an expensive third line winger, and Brendan Gallagher is probably going to be an expensive fourth line winger. Maybe getting bumped up to the third line once in a while. It's, uh, you know, but other teams around the league is that just about every team has contracts that they wish they could get out from, right? But uh, mm-hmm. in the Canadians, that's two with the Canadians. Again, Josh Anderson, younger. Um, again, I think that when he wasn't scoring earlier this season, he was playing well. He just couldn't score. Remember, sticks were breaking when he had an open net. He was hitting posts. He was missing breakaways. like he did, unfortunately he does a lot. But recently, you know, the breakaways aren't there. He's not getting the chances. And I really wonder if um, what he went through mentally – uh, earlier in the season is still taking a toll on him. He's just not the player that he was last season, and I'm not 100% certain he can't get back to being that player. Um, you know, I don't think he's playing through an injury or anything like that. I you know don't, there's no therapy days or whatever going on, and I know he'd mis- been out for a little while earlier this season, um, but it's really it's hard for me to explain what's happening with Josh Anderson right now. Because last season I was, as I said, I was like, keep him. I mean, he's a he's a valuable guy, and when you lose him, you're going to be looking to try and find another one. You know, this
1: is a tough. This is probably this is probably a tough uh, indictment on Josh Anderson, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, which is, you know, he, and this is why it's tough is because I just looked up his age, and he's only going to be thirty in yeah. May. Um, this is what. Uh, this is what we're seeing, what would have happened if uh, t- we're seeing the, the Josh in it in Josh Anderson if the Canadians held on to Jeff Petrie for one more year.
2: Oh, like well, yeah. Is yeah at, this I is mean, what
1: we're seeing. We're seeing it, it right now. This is what in, t- happens.
2: in today's NHL, it's like 30, 31 is the age where some guys get old real quick. Like the game is so fast now. And especially, you know, a guy like Petrie played a ton of minutes. A guy like Brendan Gallagher played a hard minutes. It age The game gets a little bit quicker every year, right? Every year, a guy gets younger. The talented players are better. They're faster. They're quicker. So as the game gets faster every year, if you get that little step slower, you add those two things together, and it's not a good combination. And that's sort of like Brendan Gallagher. You know, Brendan Gallagher, at the end of every shift, when he was at his best, he'd get to the bench, and he looked like he was going to die, right? He had given – Everything he had, every single shift. You get to the bench, you look like you're gonna die, you'd have his rest, you get back out there and he'd do the same thing again. Hundred percent. Now it looks like he's almost gonna die ten seconds left in the shift. You know what I mean? Like he's he's out of gas before the shift is over, as opposed to before. Like the tank would go empty and he'd get to the bench and it would fill. It would empty and fill. But now it's the tank's emptying a little quicker. And I think Or it's that, just go,
1: it's just going to half. You know, or yeah, but like, I,
2: yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's not. The game has gotten faster, and you got to remember, he, you know, he broke his ankle twice last year. Uh, his hands have been mangled. He's had, uh, you know, he's Brendan Gallagher is an old man. Is going to get up every morning, and it's going to hurt everywhere. Right? Gonna, he, he's going to feel it, and that's why again, like I don't, I, I can't be overly critical about Brendan Gallagher because the way the reason he's broken down the way he has is because of the way he played. You know, he could have put in a half-ass effort some nights and, and saved his body and maybe be a little bit better now. That's just not it's not Brendan Gallagher and it's not him now. I mean he's still giving everything he's got, but he just doesn't have what he used to have. And age father time's undefeated. And and he's looking like another example of that. And and you know, moving forward, the Canadians are gonna be again if he's if he's an overpaid third or fourth liner, you put him on the fourth line, he's gonna work his butt off and and do what he can do and you're not expecting a ton of goals from a then. Uh, but again the length of that contract uh, the, that Mark Berger may give him uh, you know it's a warning for other GMs like that age over 30 years old man you gotta be careful if you're you're paying a lot of money to those guys. And, and somebody I know who's involved in the NHL front offices we were talking about analytics one day. And he's telling me one of the analytics that his team did wasn't some of these fancy stats. It was production of guys over 30. That was an analytics that his team really looked into heavily figuring out like, what are guys let's compare analytics from guys 27, 28, 29, and then 30, 31, 32. And he said they got, you know, he didn't divulge the results or everything they had, but he said it was really interesting what they came Mm -hmm. up with. And I think that's the thing with analytics moving forward. So much of it is what's happening, like time and zone or all these things. But, I think it's important moving forward for teams analytics. Like how, how, at what age do these guys really drop off and as, as an average and then take it from there? I mean, Sidney Crosby is obviously an exception. <laughs> it's rare guys. Yeah. But in general, it seems to me. You know, look at Alex Ovechkin. I mean, this year he's got a little bit of a role again, but he got old fast. And, uh, and that, it's really, it's really a, a thing in the NHL now, as I said, as the game gets out a little bit quicker every year, and uh you know you get a little bit slower. Scott Gomez, I remember when Scott Gomez came to the Canadians, like there's oh, a guy he got old like in one year, right? That moved <laughs> to the outside where you beat the defense, you couldn't beat him anymore. And that was it. You know, he was done. And and uh as I said, the game keeps getting faster, and if you're getting a little bit slower, it's hard to play.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a few guys that you know yeah. they the, they could beat out Father Time for only so long. And mm-hmm. uh one guy who doesn't get a I probably doesn't get enough recognition around NHL circles for for probably the biggest reason is that he plays he's always played in small market, but uh also that he he's American, not Canadian. It's Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski, I just oh, have to look yeah. him up. You know, I remember there was one year where everyone thought this guy would it was done, it was over for him. Yeah. Um it may have been his it was his first year in Dallas. He played he played 67 games, 14 goals. Yeah. Then you know, fast forward, he's back to his 25 goal pace every year, and uh he put up 77 points last season and yeah. he's on uh, he he has 48 points this season. So yeah. just so he, it, yeah. he's another one.
2: 39 years old, just looking at you right 2019 20 with Dallas, 14 goals. Since then, 25, 27, 28, and 20 this year in 58. Thirty-nine years old. He's he was yeah. one of uh, Cole Caulfield's heroes. Another was fellow Wisconsin guy, um, and Cole he Coffield. was.
1: Uh, I I remember. I remember when he was on San Jose, and I was a kid, because obviously, as a kid, all you know uh, is uh, of San Jose is um, uh, Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton, maybe Jonathan Ciccio for one year, uh, yeah. but really, what I knew Joe Pavelski for, I remember every time because it was also just when they introduced the shootout. Every time they would put this guy on screen, it's Joe Pavelski's shootout record this season six yeah. for seven, uh, yeah. eight for 10. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable, it's crazy,
2: yeah. yeah and that's I mean, you look at him, and that's another reason like Josh Anderson. Maybe next year you can bounce back and be that consistent 25 goal scorer. He's only 29 years old, off year for him this year. Um, but Pavelski, yeah, I mean, that's that's one guy who he won't beat father time but he's going to go 15 rounds. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. He'll go the distance. Yeah, it'll yeah. be by decision if he has mm-hmm. anything to say yeah, about it. Exactly, it'll be But, the- uh, <laughs> but to, you know what to uh to 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 go back to Josh Anderson maybe it could be because last year while the production wasn't, you know, what everyone expected, everyone expected 30 goals from Josh Anderson. And that's just not who he was anymore after having those, sho- those, those shoulder surgeries. Um, But, you know, he had 21 goals last year yep. and 19 the year before that. He's not 30 yet.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, there's gotta be juice left and Maybe you're right. Maybe it is just an offseason, and, and it's getting more amplified because I remember last year at the end of the season we were talking about Josh Anderson. We were saying, "Good on him." He, he yep. there was nobody in the lineup. It was basically him and Nick Suzuki, and both of them uh, came to work every day, showed up on the ice, and were producing.
2: Yep. His career high goals is twenty seven. If he had hand, if he had, if he scored on half of his breakaways, he'd score thirty goals. He's going to have his breakaways <laughs> this year. He'd have fifteen goals now. Um, yeah but again the, the, to me the concerning thing is we're not seeing those breakaways now we haven't you know, it's been a while since you've seen them happen you, just get, you at least one sometimes two a game and uh we're not seeing that as much now and to me that's more of a concern than uh, uh, the fact that he's not scoring because like i said earlier in the season he was playing really well Buck just wasn't going in for him so on the positive note of last night
1: and you know just to say one more thing cuz I it was on my mind when we were talking about him Brendan Gallagher like last night when they uh forget if it was the first or second goal for by the penguins but they they had scored the goal and then they just zoomed in on Brendan Gallagher and he looked wiped yeah Uh, he was he was done uh it looked like for the night and it was only the the first or second period as i
2: said i mean now you're seeing him used to see him die on the bench after every shift now we're seeing him die a little bit before he gets to the bench and yeah i I don't know if the gas tank fills up as quickly as it used to either to come back for that next shift and and it's it's hard to watch sometimes It, it you know it's it's i was talking with uh with rick green on our hio show a little while ago. And, you know, Rick obviously played in the NHL for a long time. And he said, it's a horrible feeling when you're playing and you realize I can't like I I can't do this anymore. Like it's slipping away. And every professional athlete who's ever played feels it. Uh, it had a long career. You feel it. You get to that point where you know, I'm sure Alex Ovechkin this year was like, what's going on, man? i like, I've always scored. Now you're not scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned Scott Gomez before, and uh, there's so many athletes. It's got to be, it's got to be a real and, as Rick Green said, it's got to be a really difficult thing when your whole life has been hockey since you were a little boy, and you've been one of the best at it, obviously because you made it to the NHL, and then all of a sudden you just can't keep up anymore, right? It's got to be, and you're realizing the end's coming, and nothing, you know. Marty St. Louis had a great line. We was talking about the old Army earlier this season. He said you know, your army needs to realize that life in the NHL is short and life after the NHL is hard or long and long. And it's a great quote because it is, these guys live a fantastic life and it's a fun career, but it's over when you're like 35 or 33, if you're lucky. And you know, most people in their business, whatever you're doing at 33, 35, your careers are starting to take off, right? You're starting to find your groove and where you might be Mm -hmm. and what the future might hold these guys. It's over. And uh, nothing they'll do in the rest of their life will have the same thrill, excitement. There's nothing else you do where 20,000 fans cheer you every night or, or you know, everywhere you go, you ask for autographs. And that's so what it's it's got to be a really tough feeling when you feel it slipping away. And with Brendan Gallagher being put on the fourth line, that's that's when you're like, man, you know, that's you've gone from a first line 30 goal score to a fourth line guy making six and a half million a year. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, there is there is one thing because it's one one athlete does it. Uh, well, actually, a couple now do it. Uh, one in the NHL uh, that I know of, at least in because of Manajab, But Shaquille O'Neal, people my age know him as DJ Diesel these days. And he said he said it himself. He goes, I DJ because I, I've never nothing gives me the feeling like going out for a game seven, like going – like DJing a festival. And that's yep. only one person rather yep. than everyone – the fans cheering for a team. So it, it's, tough, for, you see it's a guy, tough.
2: You see it, guys, you know, former players who made millions and millions – Marty St. Louis. I mean, Marty St. Louis, Marty St. Louis doesn't need money. you know. Like And and he was asked, actually, when the Kings were in Philadelphia, one of the reporters said, you know, there's only two Hall of Fame players who are now coaching the NHL, him and Patrick Wow. Why do you think that is? And he said, the commitment, you know, it's a 24 seven job, seven days a week. You got 50 million bucks in the bank. Uh, rather go play golf, <laughs> go to dinner, go to the beach, go whatever, mm. uh, do that. But for a lot of guys, it's it's like Marty St. Louis, nothing like this is the closest he, he'll get to what he experienced as a player. And you'll see it with assistant coach. You'll see former baseball players who made $50 million and then they're coaching or managing like a class A team. And you're like, Why? The lifestyle, right? You're, they're used to being on the road and with their buddies and in a hotel and and going out for dinner. And there's no other job that gives you that. And uh, that's why I think you know you see some of these guys, you know like a Kirk Muller for example. I mean, Kirk Muller is still an assistant coach in the NHL. He didn't play when the money was what it was today, but he's he made good money. And but he's still, it's a lifestyle, right? They love the lifestyle. And it's a really hard thing to give up. I know one of the former Habs, and I, I was talking with him, and after he retired and. Uh, you know, so maybe six months later, I said, How's it going? He said, It's tough. He said, Like, it's I was, I was I was miserable, like, you know, I was my wife was mad, like, What's wrong with you? type of thing. And it's it's hard to give up, it's a hard lifestyle to give up.
1: Well, it's also, you know, they're conditioned at that to that lifestyle. Sit, most players, yeah. at least, since they're. 16 15 years old in your yep. hockey probably yep. even before that yeah and life is I, scheduled I, for them it's like
2: be at the rink at this time the bus yeah. leave at this time planes at this time their, their whole life is scheduled for them they don't need to plan anything right everything and usually their wives take care of the planning at home so they just get up in the morning gotta be a practice at 10 morning skate okay nap from 2 to 3 game you know okay we got the flight at this time like your whole everything's scheduled for you. your life is planned out for you and then all of a sudden it ends you got a lot of money But you got a lot of time and you're young. What am I going to do now? You know, Patrick Watt had that great quote when he came back to coach the Ramparts again. And he said, you know, I played golf every day for two years and I got sick of golf. I got bored. (laughs) Came back and coached the junior hockey team.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, it's – I have this conversation all the time with uh, – be it with my family members, uncle, mom, whoever it may be. I go – you think I'm ready to retire? I think I'm ready to retire. And they go, You're going to get bored. And yeah. I go, I don't think I will. And they're, No, I, I know you will. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm at an age. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of my former colleagues, you know, Pat Hickey retired this year. I've seen a lot of guys retire. And if you like what you do, if you hate your job, I mean, you, know, you want to retire. But if you enjoy what you yeah. do, I love what I do. I'm not in a rush to retire. But I've seen a lot of people retire and, um, you know, you have more free time and less money, right? And that's not a good combination. But then I've spoken with like hockey players and friends I know who have a lot of money, and uh, they say it's not just money. Like you need a reason to get up in the morning. You need something to do. Yeah. Like Patrick was playing golf every day. Some people, I have a good friend of mine retired. He plays golf seven days a week in the summer, and he is the happiest guy in the world. He absolutely loves it. So all he wants to do is play mm-hmm. golf. Great, great for him. But other, you know, for other people, you need you need to have a you need to get up in the morning, and have a purpose, right? You have something to do. You have something that excites you that you want to do um You know, some people might be happy sitting on the couch all day watching Netflix. Good for them. You know, but I know for me personally, the reason I'm not in a rush to retire is that I'm just—I'm not—I get bored. Like, you know, I have two weeks or three weeks vacation in the summer, and I'll you know, I'll play golf, I'll do a bunch of stuff. But by the end of the three weeks, I'm looking to do something again. You know, that, that's me. That's the thing. I mean, that, that's like, the
1: thing. I, I feel the same way. It's the same time. It, I felt the same thing after you know. Every time uh, when I was younger, going on these two, three week trips to Europe, and uh, you know I'm having the time of my life. I'm seeing amazing things, yeah. and then you know, let's say it's a 14 day trip. Day 11 rolls around, day 12, and um, you know I'm kind of ready for. I'm kind of ready to go back home. I'm yeah. yeah. well, you know, that's so that's like, kind if of ready now. If you
2: hate your job, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate. I've never hated my job, but if you're someone who hates your job, I imagine you're counting down the days until you retire. Um, I know a former colleague, my, colleague of mine who, uh, he wasn't in the sports department, another department, but, uh, he had a countdown until he retired. Like it's, uh, you know, six months, three days and 12 hours. Oh God. And then I saw him about a year after he retired. And it was in the winter. It was like February. And I said, how's it going? And he said, I'm going crazy. Like the summers are great. You know, you're yeah. outside. Then February comes around and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is, like, <laughs> you know, this is driving me going nuts here.
1: You know, the good thing I'll say for a player like Brendan Gallagher, who retirement is uh, coming up quick or relatively quick, oh, um, yeah. if he wants to stay in Montreal, yeah, boy, he can do anything here. You know, start any charity organization, do basically anything he wants hockey-related. You want to start a, a hockey shop, a hockey clinic, it would be, he would he would do great. He would yeah, do. I
2: think, I think he'll probably join Carey Price and Shea Weber and go back out to BC though. I know he's got a nice house on the golf. We're talking well, you know the what? Nice I don't blame him. There. And I wouldn't uh, blame him. Uh, you know, he's still a big. You know, he was remembered from his junior days out in Vancouver. And you know, Brendan Gallagher loves Montreal. He loves everything about being the Canadians. He's been very open about it. But home to him is still BC. You know, when the season's mm-hmm. over, he goes back to BC. So I would imagine when he retires, that's that's where he will end up.
1: And listen, after flying there uh, a couple weeks ago and there's less snow on the ground there than there is here now, I couldn't really blame him uh, for BC, going back to BT. Uh,
2: BC, Vancouver is so beautiful. If you can afford to live there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. You can afford to live there because it's not cheap. But if you can afford to live there, it's a gorgeous place. And Brandon Gallagher can afford to live there.
1: Yeah, I think he could afford, what, uh, one bedroom, one one bed, one bath? Now, do a search
2: on YouTube, people watching the show, go on YouTube and do a search for Brendan Gallagher in Summer House or something. The Canadians did a video of him a few years ago at his summer home, and it's right on the golf course. He has his own personalized golf cart, electric cart in his garage that he just drives to the course. Uh, He's got a nice – but when they did the video, it's like the ultimate bachelor pad, right? Uh, oh yeah! Now he's well, engaged. Well, he met a nice uh, <laughs> French girl from uh, Saint Julie, and uh, they're engaged. So I imagine the, it's not the bachelor pad setup anymore. I imagine there's not like a pool table in the middle of the living room and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but if you do the Google search, uh, the video is kind of cool. I'm sure there's one. One
1: room in the house dedicated to you know all the jerseys yeah. and hanging up memorabilia, yeah. but that's it, that's it, yeah. that's where the pool table's in the middle of. Uh- <laughs> yeah,
2: once his, yeah, once his what, fiance future wife moves, yeah, the, the whole house won't be a bachelor pad. I'm sure he'll still have his uh his area though, yeah, exactly. But uh, let, let's talk, um, let's talk
1: about some positives last night because the Canadians, by all accounts, at least by my eye test, it seemed like they outplayed the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, if it wasn't, uh, if not, it was a pretty evenly matched game that uh, the Canadian just couldn't beat Tristan Jarry for the life of them. But uh, one guy who something jumped out to me was uh, his ice time. It was Arbor Jacki. He had twenty one minutes, twenty three seconds, which was a season high for him. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know he's noticeably been playing better on the ice after struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. and now the, again just it's the story of the Canadian season, the fruits of the labor of his hard work in, uh, in Laval and now back with the team have finally paid off.
2: Yeah. And he had 18 minutes a game before, uh, which I thought was his best game with the Canadians. Um, another solid effort last night. He's, he's, you know, when they sent them down to Laval, a lot of people were upset you know, they're playing mind games with them and it did have an impact on him. And you know after the game, then at the bell center, when I, Talked to asked a question to Marty St. Louis, and I mentioned at the end, you know, it was just sort of like the sheriff coming back, and he didn't like the nickname sheriff. Now, he said, well, we don't call him sheriff, although I know Cole Caulfield does and some of the other guys <laughs> do. But I think one of the reasons they sent the Canadians down, I might have said this on a previous podcast with you, is I think the shine on the sheriff badge was getting a little too bright too quick hmm. for Arbor Jack guy, and they needed to take some of that shine off and say, uh, don't take for granted that you're here. You know, if you're not going to work the way we want you to work and do the things we want you to do, you are going to go down to Laval and you're going to learn what it's like to be in the AHL and you're probably going to appreciate it more when you come back up. And I think that message went through loud and clear. And he's come back. He was a little bit hesitant at first. And that's got to be a blow to your confidence. I mean, he is called the sheriff. You walk around town, people love Arbor Jacky the way they love Chris Nyland, the way they love John mm-hmm. Ferguson, the way the city loves the tough guys who can play. And Arbor Jacki was in that role. And he had a little bit of um, – he came back, you could tell he was struggling with his confidence. He wasn't sure exactly what he was supposed to do. But now we're seeing that he's got the message, like, physical, tough. Don't take dumb penalties. You don't have to fight. But you can still be an imposing figure out there. He's got that bomb from the point. I mean, his shot, uh, like, uh, that's underrated, like, that, how – how big a part of that his game is he's such a big strong guy he can really blast it and those two goals he scored he almost scored again uh, last night against Pittsburgh but I think it's sort of it was a little it was a, a little bit of a wake-up call that they thought he needed and now we're seeing the fruits of that now we're seeing him coming back and going okay you know and when I was speaking with him a couple of weeks ago he says "You know, I know I got to be like the first guy in there. at practice I got to be the first guy in the gym I got to do that you got to do that little extra and talk with Michael Pezzetta uh after jack i was sent down they're they're good friends and uh pozetta told me about when he was sent down to the east coast hockey league a few years mm-hmm. ago when he'd been playing with laval and he says you get down there and like there's two ways you can go either you mope and you hate it or you figure i don't i'm not staying here and at the time pozetta told me he says i knew i could play in the ahl at that time i wasn't 100 certain i could play in the nhl but i knew i did not in the echl like i'm too good to be in the echl and he says i put my head down and he says I gave that five or 10% extra that I thought I was giving. Like I thought I always was, but then you realize maybe I wasn't, you know, I do have that extra five or 10%. And he did that in the East Coast League and he didn't stay there too long. And he got called back up and he continued that. And I was at the NHL. So he, he told Arbor that story when Arbor went down, like, you know, you might've thought you were given a hundred percent, but maybe you weren't, you know, like, I know I wasn't, uh, even though I thought I was. And I think that's what Jack, I realized that, he thought he was giving 100%. He thought he was doing everything. And then you realize, no, I'm not. I got another 5%, 10 15% that I can give. And uh, that was a really strong message for the Canes to send to him. He got it loud and clear. Um, you know, he, he came back up. You know, he took one game where he took a couple of bad penalties. He actually apologized to the coaching staff the next day for doing it. He realized he had screwed up. And now the last couple of games, we're seeing him not taking those penalties, right? Still, still being a physical presence, still saying, you're not going to run my teammate, but not – going over that line where he's hurting his team and ending up in the penalty box. You know,
1: it's great to see, you know what I'm, I'm thinking of is we always talked so much how the Canadians, uh, for the longest time, couldn't develop talent for the life of them. Mm-hmm. And which is true. Um, now it kind of feels like it, cause it kind of felt like then that it was the same thing over and over again. It was just, uh, you're not producing, we're gonna drop you down the lineup. And if you're not good enough, if you're not producing still, we're gonna put you back and it's all on you. The Canadians now seemingly are treating their players as individuals, you know, catering to their individual mm-hmm. needs. Like they're not gonna, you know, do every. you know, they're not gonna treat everyone the same way in the sense of okay, Arbor Jacki, we sent you down to Laval. Okay, that's gonna work for player X, Y, or Z. It's it's what we needed to do for him, and it worked for him. Uh, it's what they, you know, they they dealt with Slavkovsky in their own way, and, and it just feels like every player is getting their own not not special treatment, but personalized treatment. And and, it's practice, yeah. and and they're treating them as such, and it's working out.
2: Some guys need a pat in the back, and some guys need a kick in the butt, and some guys need both. And I think Garber Jacker was a guy needed both. I mean, they've allowed the young guys to play with more freedom and not being terrified of making them, you know, make one mistake, you're not going to play again, you're going to sit on the bench, you're going to go to Laval or whatever. They've, they've taken that away and let guys play their games. But if they don't like what you're doing, either on the ice or off the ice or how you're preparing, how you're getting yourself ready, they send a message and they sent that message to Ivor Jacki uh, when they sent them down. But it's, you know, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton and their are Communication skills for all of them are elite. Mark Bergeman's communication skills were not very good. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you want loyalty, get a dog and uh, first come, first serve. Remember with the contracts with yeah. uh, Markov and Radulov, and then he lost both of them. But they communicate well, and it was communicated well with Jack before he went down. They made it very clear, like, this is what we want you to do. And he came back. And from a coach or your boss and whatever job you have, if they're honest with you that's the most you can ask right just be honest with me don't bs me and don't say one thing to me and say something else on my back or just be open and honest and these guys have been that and sometimes it takes a little bit of tough love and it took a little bit of tough love um with arbor Jacki. it it couldn't have been an easy decision for marty saint louis to drop brendan gallagher down on the fourth line mm-hmm. and you'll hear people being critical of uh saint louis because he's, he's more vocal in his news conferences if an arbor jack guy screws up than if a Brendan Gallagher screws up. Brendan Gallagher has a lot, put a lot of heart and soul into the Canadians or he deserves to be treated a little different than a young guy with the team, right? He's gone through wars. He's blood, sweat, and tears for this franchise. Um, he knows when he's not playing well. He knows when he's not doing good. He doesn't need the coach standing in front of the media Running him down, type of thing. Uh, the one-on-one conversation with Gallagher. I'm sure Marty's very open and honest. I'm sure, like I said, taking a guy, a veteran player like Gallagher, who earns six point five million, and telling him you're playing on the fourth line—that's that's not easy. That's uh, it's not easy. I'm sure for the coach to do it. It's part of his job. Tough love. Not easy for the player. You hope he responds and, and fires back. And Marty moved him back up to the third line the last couple of games. But you know, coaching or being a boss at any level, it's it's got to make tough difficult decisions that people aren't going to like, but if you're straightforward and honest with them, I think it makes it, makes it better. And the people around the person, even though they're not affected by it, like if you're uh, a Nick Suzuki or you're a Cole Caulfield or you're a Uri and you see the way the coaching staff handles Brandon Gallagher and the way they handled Jack Eye, and that you go, okay, well, you know, that's there, there. There wasn't, you know, it was done in, a, in a, a classy type of manner, in a respectful manner. And that's been one of the biggest changes with the Canadians with this new management team is the communication skills and the way they treat people, the way they treat players. And that, that spreads around the league. Other players and other teams learn and hear about that. That, you know, you play in Montreal, you get treated well. And again, you go back to you want loyalty, get a dog, first come, first serve, uh, you know, uh, the, the contract battle with uh, Philip Deneau and PK Subban. And I've said this many times before, I think Mark Bergeron, biggest downfall as a GM is he let everything get personal. And this management team doesn't make things personal. They do their job and they're open and honest and they communicate very well with the players. Yeah. And the, the players, uh,
1: you know, it's not, it's not one of those things where, you know, the, they're God and you can't question. I'm sure things are a
2: discussion. I, I'm well, sure Kirby Dock Doc was talking about sitting in on the pre-scout meetings and like he was giving input. It wasn't like he was just sitting yep. there listening like they were asking, what do you think? What do you think? You know, what do you think? And, and all the players have said that David Savard told me that it was last season when I was talking with him. Like you can go to him. if Marty's doing something you don't think is right or you think they could maybe tweak. You can go to him and tell him, uh, you know, maybe you should mm-hmm. do this instead or maybe you should do that instead. Is there's, there's not a fear uh, of going like at the end of the day, Marty's job is to make the decision what he's going to do. But smart people and any running any business take input from the people around them, right? At the end of the day, they got to make their own decision. But I found that really interesting with Doc when he was saying in those meetings that they were, he wasn't just sitting there listening, he was asked for his opinion on things. At, At least for right now,
1: it seems like they've struck a good balance of, you know, where where they're they're seeking input from the players but they still hold the power and the players oh, yeah. are are aware of it. You know, like yeah, the players are uh, running
2: the team here. That's exactly that's it's mean, not a uh,
1: it's not a prisoners running no, the prison situation no, no. that everyone was yeah. calling it uh what, what was going on in Toronto uh last mm-hmm. year. Um you know so that's that's not the case but it'll be interesting when I always say it it's interesting when the Canadians start uh needing to improve or they do start improving when martin st louis has to make tougher decisions because right now his tough decisions they're tough but they're within the scope of his team soon he's gonna have to make tough decisions that will alter you know where they will be in the standings and 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 stuff like that
2: ken you spoke about this at the beginning of last season i think it was and he said you know this is year two of the rebuild the pressure is a little bit more than it was last season not a ton it'll be a little bit more next season I think the year after that is a season where now you got to make the playoffs, right? This is year four. Now it's time to get into the playoffs. And as Kent Hughes said, the pressure was going to build every year and some people handle pressure better than others, right? So as the pressure builds up, some guys are going to crack under it. Some guys will flourish under it. Some guys will crack on it under it, but they're aware. Like Kent Hughes last season was saying, pressure is going to build every year. And as he said, on me and on the coaching staff Mm -hmm. and on everybody like Marty St. Louis, almost gets a free pass now, right? Pretty close. I mean, he's, he's here to rebuild his, his man. Yes. Very simple. Uh, it's all about rebuilding. It's all about the future. It's all about whatever, but at some point it's going to be, we got to get in the playoffs. And if they're not, Marty's saying, louis won't be behind the bench. All coaches get, I mean, it was really interesting. Like he's like the ninth, most longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. And he's been here two years. I mean, that's insane. When you think about, Unbelievable. ninth or 10th in the NHL, and he's been here two years. So it's, the pressure is going to get turned up on everybody. It'll get turned up on Kent Hughes. It'll get turned up on Jeff Gordon. If you're six, you know, and you're still not in the play. I mean, look at Buffalo. It's 11 years now since they've been in the playoffs, and like that. Mm-hmm. At some point, the Heat's going to be right now. There's not a lot of heat on Marty St. Louis, but the first, the players, the Heat'll get turned up on them, and then next, the Heat's going to get turned up on Marty St. Louis, right? And there would be a coaching change before there's a gym change. You would think they're moving down the road, and then the Heat'll get turned up on Kent Hughes, and then he'll get turned. That's just the way. Pro sports works, right? But for now, the Canadians are in it, you know, Jeff Jeff Molson was willing to take a deep breath and do full rebuild and realize his team's not going to make the playoffs for a few years. Uh, but he believed this is what had to be done. I think it did have to be done. And it's a it's a long process. You can't do it overnight. Again, this is only year two of uh, the second full year of a rebuild. And they've also been hampered by so many injuries, which you know, I mentioned earlier with Doc and Newhook through a wrench into this year's plans a bit. But uh, next year, you no, know, I, I don't see them making the playoffs next year, depending what happens in the offseason or the draft mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I think the year after, year four, is the year, like, you gotta be, you got to be in the playoff hunt at least right up until the end. Yeah.
1: And, you know, just to go back, what I like that they're doing, it's a little bit of a different situation. Usually I bring uh, football references to the table today, soccer. Um, so, you know, I look at Manchester United because they were i, I I'm, everyone knows uh, they were the the top they were the the cream of the crop when it came to uh sports professional sports organizations winning 20 premier leagues under the same coach uh forever it's crazy and then he left and what happened was they'd always do these half- ass rebuilds not really a rebuild is the right term but running to call it yeah. they would give uh they would bring in a manager and they would give him you know, a couple transfer windows to to make it right, and if it wasn't right, you're out the door. They bring the next guy in, and they got a, that new manager has to deal with the the contracts that the players that the old manager brought in, and it was just this vicious cycle, vicious cycle. Finally, they put an end to that. I mean, obviously, it stopped with mm-hmm. a, you know they sold 25% of the team, but that doesn't matter. So the point is is that they're they they have a coach now, and they're giving him time. Because these things, you can't just bring in a new culture and a new system and expect it to work in a year. No. It's impossible. You no. need to give these things time, and that's the what I like about what Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are doing. That they're they're giving Martin Saint Louis the time, and they're giving themselves time and saying, "Let's see if he's the right guy. We have to see if he's the guy for this uh, for this uh, project, and if he is great, and if he's not." We're gonna be. We're going to, We're gonna give them ample amount of time to make that fair decision.
2: And look at the Rangers now, New York Rangers. Jeff Gordon started that rebuild, right? Then the owner got a little wanted to rush it a little bit, got a little uh, uh, upset, and, and got rid of Gordon. But now we're seeing what Gordon started, mm-hmm. right? Flourishing, and um, you know they have a solid plan. You know, I've mentioned like to talk about that five year plan, but the, the five year plan makes sense. You can see what they're doing. They're trying to accumulate as many players twenty five and under as they can. And have them all blossom and come up together and all be ready to be at their best three years down the road or whatever now. When they're all 26, 27, you throw in a couple of veterans. You have your Mike Matheson's, a couple of veteran guys to fill it out. Uh, You might sell Brendan Gallagher around as a fourth liner, as a veteran guy to Mm -hmm. to help out. Um, But that's the way you got to build. And the plan's there. And, you know, they've got – they're loaded with young defensemen now. Uh, they, they're desperate for some offense up front. I mean, that's, you know, it's been so long since this team. That's why everybody's talking about Trevor Ziegris and the possibility of oh, yeah. ending up here. Uh, but I mean, Gorton and Hughes are aware of that. And, uh, you know, said so they got Kirby Doc in a trade uh, two years ago. They got new hook last year. I expect them to get another young forward this year through uh, some kind of a trade at, at the draft or during the off season. And you keep accumulating those young, talented guys in that age group. And that's one of the reasons – you know, can't use one of the reasons he prefers like a Kirby Doc or an Alex Newhawk over that first round pick is they're already a known commodity in, in ways. Yeah. Like they're further along their development. So that's a way to sort of speed up the rebuild a little bit because we keep every year adding an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old. It's it's hard to – it's going to take longer, right? It's going to be a slower mm-hmm. process. So they're patient with the rebuild, but moves like that are – that's how they're trying to make it move a little quicker by getting a Kirby Doc who's already – Got NHL experience. Is already further along in his development. Alex Newhook, further along in his development. Um, so the, you know you can see you can see the plan. Look at the way Uri Slavkowski has blossomed this year. You know, early in the year, I wrote a column saying he's got to go to the AHL. He can't. He's mm-hmm. not ready for the NHL. He looks ready now, and that's credit to the development staff. He
1: made a really nice pass last night. And Adam Miklos uh, Adam uh,
2: Nicholas is, uh, is sort of the guy in the background you know we see him in practice all the time but you know he's not on the bench you don't see him if you're a fan watching the game on tv he's up in the, the box with uh, Hughes and Gordon. but he's like he's worked with Slavkowski he's always working with Slavkowski and always talking with Slavkowski and always sending him video and he's such a positive guy when you're around him he's just he's he's a, he's uh, he's like a guy who's always had like five cup of coffee in him he's just so pumped up like nobody loved nobody I don't know many people of any people who love their job more than Adam Nichols he's just a hockey Junkie, and he loves what he does, and he loves working with these young guys, and he's a fun guy to be around. um So, like, he's you can see, he Saint Louis gets a lot of the credit for what's happened with Salkowski, but Nicholas deserves some credit too, and the rest of the staff around him. He's well surrounded, which wasn't the case before with Canadians prospects. They weren't, they didn't have an Adam Nicholas on the ice working with them all the time, a, a director of hockey development. They didn't even have that position. Um, so they've really, that's another part that this new management team has really improved as part of their overall plan in this rebuilding process. Well, it's funny because uh, Tony uh, used to always
1: say, uh, you're the Montreal Canadiens. There's no salary cap on any staff. Development, it's just on the players on the
2: ice. Development cap last summer, there was like 15 coaches on the ice. It was like there was, there was, there was, you know, that Mary Philip Poulain was on the ice, right? She's one of the consultants. Mm -hmm. Vinnie LeCalvier was on the ice. They had all these people around. It's just people that talk to her, pick out a little thing here, a little thing there. You're right. There's no salary cap on coaching staff. You, know, you used can, to say it all the time. Why yeah. don't the Canadians have the best scouting
1: team? Yeah. Why don't they have the best assistant yeah. coaches? Why don't they have the best? Because there's no salary cap, and you yeah. are the Montreal Canadiens. You're the third most valuable franchise in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know More you're proof. worth well over a billion dollars, two yeah. billion dollars, I think now.
2: There's no excuse. Since these guys came in, they yeah. built an analytics department. They've redone the medical staff and the training staff. It used to just be you know two guys were basically uh, Frankie Bouillon Bu- and Rob Ramage the only two guys really dealing with development they got Paul Byron there now also like what a great hire that was to have working with young guys uh, they're well surrounded like they're spending money where they're okay you can only spend X amount of dollars on salary spend money elsewhere to make yourself better and uh, there's you know they have a private chef now okay who cooks all the meals for the mm-hmm. players little things like that there's no there's no salary cap go out and do those things excuse me it's
1: just it's just about making yourself a desirable first of all for coaching staff you need to have coaching staff yes. uh you need to have the adequate coaching staff but for for stuff like the chef and yeah. and, and other luxuries that's stuff that brings you into the premier league that yeah. while obviously money want will attract talent uh you know to a team but you know what? Would you like you? You're, you're in Montreal. You're the the winters here are brutal. Yeah. You know to, to go the extra mile to say, hey, we're gonna have a private chef cook you every single meal you want yeah. for your family or wherever you come to the rink. It goes it goes a long way.
2: I don't know what a private chef costs, but it's not six million dollars a year, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> in the bucket for what the the Canadians, as you say, a billion dollar business. But like the guys show up now the practice, or you show up at Brossard they have their place upstairs there's a guy making you breakfast there and then mm-hmm. you finish and you see after the games you see the guys leaving with their it looks like almost an uber eats takeout bag yeah food They're, like these guys are fed you know there's a big investment in these guys what they put in their body it's part of the investment you're making in these players and you see them you know, they get fed before practice or leaving practice they have food with them after the games they walk out they got a post-game meal if they want to bring home with them uh, healthy obviously good food and uh, again, just it's, it's part of this full rebuilding process. So, uh, the, speak of the
1: rebuilding process, the next big date for the rebuild uh, is coming up quick, two weeks away, March 8th, the yeah. NHL trade deadline. So, uh, listen, I, I, I think that one or two more players will be moved out because they want to sign those uh, college free agents yeah. or if they want to bring Lane Hudson from Boston University over to much Mon- directly to Montreal, yeah. You gotta have space on the team. Yeah, uh, I mean, so uh,
2: I'd be shocked if Lane Hudson doesn't play before the end of the season because Ken Hughes has already said he wants to sign him after his university season ends, and I'm sure part of that signing will be to burn up the first year of the entry-level entry level deal and have level. him play a few games uh, this season and play a few games and there's no pressure, right? They're, they're yeah, of course. Uh, at the end of the season yeah. when,
1: especially when other teams that have already solidified their playoff spots. Mm-hmm. That's when they start to see Montreal, Arizona, Chicago, San Jose on the schedule, and they start to take the foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah,
2: and just give Lane Hudson a little taste, of, and he's a college kid too. So like he hasn't played preseason games, right? They're not allowed to play. Mm-hmm. He hasn't, he's, he hasn't, you know, he's been at development camps. He hasn't been uh, through a full training camp and played at the Bell Center and re- you know, experienced everything that comes with that. So he'll get a chance to do that. So March 8th is that date. Uh, I will be
1: back the week after March 8th. So uh, Stu, until then, thank you very much as you always join me almost every Friday.
2: Enjoy your time off.
1: Thank you, Stu. And uh, I'm Matt O'Han. Like I said, I'll be off the next two weeks. I'll be in Boston next weekend and then New York the weekend after that. Uh, It must be nice to be me. Um, All right. Thank you very much for listening. Tony's back on Monday. We'll catch you then.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.